I'm here with you right now, and we're hoping to be there with him later, and we're trying to communicate that stuff to these people. Good luck. <laughs> As Mike was just saying, not only do they not get it, yeah, thank you. Thanks for being honest, all three of you. <laughs> so if I could have two volunteers, Gene, I think I saw you, if you would, and Sabrina. Thank you, dear. And I'm getting, oh, I thought I was in trouble already. When I see, when I see Ryan coming my way, I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> I stepped out of the video cam. Let's do this. Father God, we thank you and praise you so much. Um, we thank you that uh, you are the great God who is over every detail of life, that you are the one who provides uh, our very breath. And uh, Lord, as we've gathered to worship this morning, we pray that our hearts and minds would be tuned to your word, your spirit, and that you would enable and empower Pastor John as he ministers uh, through the spirit to our hearts and minds. Lord, I... Uh, I've been stuck with um, Jesus' question to his disciples when he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Lord, uh, that's important for me and I think for each of us every day because uh, sometimes we don't treat him like his Lord. So, Father, we pray that you would uh, put aside the distractions and help us to... Uh, learn and, and to worship and to honor you, to give you the praise and honor and glory you so richly deserve this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, I felt so moved today by worship that I had to proclaim you are a holy God. You are worthy of praise, worthy to be worshiped, and I just, I can't thank you enough, God, that you saved me, that you saved us, that we are gathered here today for you. And I thank you so much for that. Father, I pray that uh, you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. And may we bring glory to your kingdom, Lord. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the freedom that we have so far and we're grateful and thank you god that uh, we really do experience two worlds and as uh, that quote that i see occasionally in the paper from a catholic theologian who well said that we're we're spiritual beings having an earthly experience not the other way around we're destined for something much greater. Not all people will enter in. That, that mathematical problem, God, I want to thank you that I can offload that on you because I can't figure it out. Why should we be so few? It feels like we're so few who have been rescued out of darkness and into your marvelous light. But, Lord, we want it to spill over, and that's been some of the dialogue this morning and some of our prayer requests that harmony might bear some fruit in the days ahead. We might enjoy seeing your kingdom advance. I pray in Jesus' name today that you would help us, help me, in the name of Jesus, 
Without you, Lord Jesus, you told us we can accomplish nothing that's going to last. And so accomplish some things that will last, we pray. Help us in Jesus' name. Give us ears to hear. Give me ears to hear, I pray. Thank you. We worship you. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. And Lord, uh, we know there's more than just the new birth and his brand new birth into the world. We know that he's going to come back in a much more powerful and flamboyant way. Thank you. Thank you that we'll be anticipating it. Thank you, God, for those who will be ready. Thank you that we'll be transformed and have bodies like his. What an amazing gospel. So we praise you. Thank you. Help us in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for bearing with me. And if you haven't figured out, I'm not Ben Horovitz. Ben Horovitz was going to speak this morning. And, um, of course, they've been through it this last week. So he asked me if I could uh, stand in, and I said, well... I'm not very good at this, but I'll I'll try to do my best. uh, So here we are, and we're in an Advent series, and that's kind of fun. And what we chose this year was, and we'll put the sign up, carols to the king. And uh, I thought, that's a great, uh, great little plan, actually, because... Preachers, I think, could easily preach from many of the hymns. Not all of them. Some of them are kind of, you know, gooey, religious-y, kind of corny. But some of them, in fact, lots of them, are full of Bible truth, full of theology. And so this one that we're singing today which we've already had a couple of comments on, thanks to my brother Mike. I'm going to sound like him in a few minutes. Yes, I'm going to take a lesson from Mike Hopper, our worship leader, in a few minutes. This one is full of theology. So my title today, and I think you can figure it out, you already sang the song, Come and Worship. I didn't put an asterisk. Sorry, I should have, because I stole it. Although I don't think it's a stolen phrase, come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king, because it comes right out of angels from the realms of glory. Or, if you want the subtitle, put your money and everything else where your mouth is. You like that? (laughs) You're offended? Put your money and everything else where your mouth is. If you say, come and worship, it's more than just cozy little creches, you know. It's more than that. And last week when uh, Pastor Tim, and, and it did resonate, uh, Pastor Tim, you're in here somewhere, I think. Uh, he's back there. Hi, brother. He mentioned, who is this man? Remember that part? Anybody remember that part? Anybody here last week? Anybody remember, anybody remember Pastor Tim? Uh, okay. <laughs> who is this man? Um, and and, and uh, our elder Uncle Gene over here, he, he mentioned that to me this week. He was like, that stuck with me. That resonated. Who is this guy? We're going to see some of that again today when we go through this. Uh, I'm going to preach out of, the, out of the hymn book 
if you will. But it is all Bible, and we're going to look into the Word together. So let me kind of shove us a little bit forward, because we, we all get that angels and shepherd stuff. You know, I've heard it in all the elevator music at Christmas time. You know, we get all that. Kind of go, yeah, 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 whatever, you know. We hear that, and it just kind of goes by. So let's jump down a little further to sages leave your contemplations. Sages and saints. That's my notes. If you want to take notes, you can fill in what might grab you this morning. But uh, the song, Angels from the Realms of Glory, moves on with sages leave your contemplations. I've mentioned it before, but I'm sure we've forgotten. I was good friends with uh, a couple of folks in our church. This is back in Tucson, Arizona. This is ancient history, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, a brother who earned his Ph.D. in philosophy of religion. This is his favorite verse. Guess why? Because the sages were that. They were philosophers, right? They were philosophers, magicians. They were also political power brokers. There's a lot to those stories, but I preached on that at least a year ago, so you can go back in the archives and find all the details about the sages. The magi who they were. And so this was his favorite, and so I've always had that locked in my head. Sages, leave your contemplations. Brighter visions beam afar. The coming of the desire of nations. Jesus, you have seen his natal star. And that's where we're going to start. With Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, that's where it comes from. Now, behold, there was a man in Jerusalem. No, wait, I jumped ahead. I better read the right verse. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Uh, by the way, that wasn't like walking down the block or getting in your car or an Uber and driving 10 minutes to church. That was a three to four week, a month or maybe more journey by camel. And that's without pit stops. And since there were more than three, you know, the more people you have, the slower the journey takes. So this just the act of coming to worship was work. We have come to worship him. But not only did they come to and, you know, I'm going somewhere with that, right? Okay. There's been something on my heart, and I've been debating all week. Do I want to say this or not? And then when Ben had to back out because of all the stress they've been through, I thought, okay, guess I'm getting cornered here. But we'll get there. Oh, just say it. Yeah. Well, you stand up here and take the tomatoes. <laughs> and, of course, I always feel like I'm preaching to the choir because the good guys are here. You know what I mean? So all you people out in television land, so we're going to get there. So they also brought very wealthy gifts to leave, which I believe is what rescued the Holy Family for years to come. Financially, you know, they didn't have Social Security back then. I'm not sure. What, <laughs> never mind. I don't want to go there. So you do understand that they're coming, if you read the story, I'm not going into the whole story, but if you read the story, that was not a great event for 
Yeah. Some of you may know, uh, remember Practical Bible Institute up in Binghamton that became um, Davis College, named after the founder. The man that I was, when we used to have pastoral prayer meetings, the man that was the librarian, Dr. Jerry Franz, did you know Jerry? He wrote a phenomenal Christmas letter, and the name of it was, Jerusalem was troubled. When these guys showed up, Herod, the smoothie that he was, oh, go tell me where he is so I can come worship him too. Not, he wanted to kill him. Because you understand there's a conflict between two kingdoms. There will always be a conflict between two kingdoms. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of our Christ are in conflict. And you can't be on both sides, although too many people try to. You ever have your feet in two separate canoes? That's about how well it works. But anyway, they were in conflict. What a great little letter he put out, and it stuck with me all these years. All of that drama was kind of coming to a head even at the moment of birth. And you'll remember we've quoted Eldred before that the, the nativity scene is a declaration of war. Jesus declaring war on the enemy's territory here. The captives of the enemy need to be liberated. We're going to get there. So there's drama right there. Then we have this next verse. After the, the, uh, the sages, we also have the saints. So this goes back to what we've been uh, looking at. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. That means the coming of the Messiah, the guy who's going to fix everything. And remember, that's where the Jewish people, including Jesus' disciples, got it wrong a little bit. Because, oh, are you, are you going to take care of it now? Especially after the death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, now are you going to restore the kingdom and whoop the Romans and all of that cool stuff? Not yet. It's coming, though. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Yes, friends, before the day of Pentecost. You read it right. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Isn't that a great section? So he's in the temple. Here's the words. Saints before the altar bending, watching long in hope and fear. Saints before the altar bending. It's not because he's old. I'm getting there. No, they're bending. Lord, send your rescue. Watching long in hope and fear. Hundreds of years, the 400 years of darkness, silence, right? Between the last prophets and the coming of the Messiah. Watching long in hope and fear. Suddenly the Lord descending in his temple shall appear. Guess what? This morning in comes Mary and Joseph with this baby into the temple area where they are. Isn't that cool? And so he says... Uh, the Spirit was on him, and he's going to say in a couple of minutes, I'm free to go now. You'll see that in a minute. Now, I want to park on that for just a second for two reasons. One, saints 
have been bowing before the altar all along. And eventually, the Lord Jesus, not in baby form, but in grown-up form, shows up in his temple, and it's a little bit of a different story that time, when he turns tables over and rebukes Pharisees and drives sellers out of the temple and gets himself in trouble. Why? Because the two kingdoms are in conflict. And we're always being called, come and worship. You can only worship, you can only, didn't Jesus say something about you can't serve two masters? I thought that was in the Bible, there you go. But there's another way that this verse is fulfilled. Saints before the altar bending, watching long in hope and fear, suddenly the Lord descending in his temple shall appear. The man who wrote this song, James Montgomery, I'm going to tell you more about him in a couple of minutes, but let me just mention this. He comes from Moravian roots. Have any of you ever heard of the Moravian church? Most of us haven't. Um, but if you drive down to the Amish country, you know, which is always a fun, quaint thing to do, uh, you, you can pass through a town called Lidditz. And in Lidditz, well, probably the big attraction is there's a great pretzel factory there. But second to that, I'm making a joke, of course, is one of the, one of the hubs of the Moravian church. Now, who are the Moravian church? Let me tell you the story. So back after the Reformation, I know this is going to be very hard to believe, but there were people in different denominational churches that were disgruntled with churches, and they also gathered together in a communal context, and here's the part that's almost unbelievable. Not only were they disgruntled from their church roots, but they couldn't get along with each other either. Get out of town, right? I'm not making this up. And there's lots to read about it. But what happened was a a man of um, stature, Count von Zinzendorf, welcomed them on his property, and they tried to create a Christian community. But because there was so much drama, he got tired of it, and the solution came, let us start praying. Well, there's a dangerous thing. Brothers and sisters, I cannot harp on anything more strongly than the fact that you have got to manifest dependence on God. And it's manifested by prayer, not just individually, but corporately. Leonard Ravenhill, in his excellent revival praying book, said, talking about this, very thing, and the verse that we saw on the screen. The Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come. The Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come. We read that when the shepherds kept watch over their flocks by night, suddenly there was a heavenly host saying, Glory to God in the highest. Later, the disciples were all in one accord in the upper room when suddenly there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. Even so, with the Moravians at Hernhut, that was uh, Count von Zinzendorf's place, whose catchphrase was, I have one love, and it's he, and he alone. 
Zinzendorf and a little remnant were assembled together. Get this. When suddenly, at precisely 11 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, the 13th of August, 1727. Gee, when did that happen? The Holy Ghost descended on that group. All their griping stopped. Historian Evelyn has said, when the Spirit came, was there ever in the whole church history such an astonishing prayer meeting as that which began in 1727? It went on 100 years. I'm not making this up. It went on 100 years and was something absolutely unique. It was known as the hourly intercession, which meant that by relays, brethren and sisters made prayer to God without ceasing for all the work and wants of his church. Out of that small community, more than 100 missionaries went from them in 25 years. 100 missionaries from one church. True prayer was always leads to action. And in the case of the Moravians, it kindled a burning desire to make Christ's salvations known to the heathen everywhere. Spirit praying results in spirit-directed activities. Well, enough of that. I'm not saying you should do 24 hours a day, all of that. I'm not saying. They, they prayed in shifts, right? And there's more to that story. But the point is, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly. Sages, leave your contemplation. Saints, bend before the altar and pray. Suddenly, the Lord descending might empower us. Wouldn't that be fun? Anyway, it's time to move on. Tied up with that, um, after Simeon, he goes on, he sees the babe, and uh, later, that man, that babe, becomes the man. And uh, that's the story of the Moravians and the falling of the Spirit, and another way that that verse gets fulfilled. And interesting, he's a child. The author of that poem is a child of the Moravian heritage. I have a suspicion he has some of that in mind. And if not, I'm glad I'm wrong about that. You know what I mean. I don't know. Everybody went, what? No, never mind. Scratch that. Sinners and the serious. Let's move along. Simeon, who has just seen uh, the baby, goes on. Now, Lord... Thou dost let thy bondservant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. Never was hidden, even though the children of Israel so often forgot about it and thought it was all about them. Always, the Old Testament prophets Isaiah, etc., that the children of Israel would be priests of God so that the masses, the, the nations, would find what they're looking for, ultimately what we're all looking for, the peace that falls between sinners and saints, uh, sinners and God. Now you can let your, your bondservant depart because you've sent your salvation. Jesus is here. And you have prepared this for all the peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Listen to the next verse. I think I put it, I might have put this verse on the screen. This verse we don't know from this song. And uh, our, brother, our brother put the last verse up there, which I had never seen before either until I looked at this. But this is the uh, fifth verse of 
angels from the realms of glory. I think we have it. Isn't it on? Yeah, it is. Sinners wrung with true repentance, doomed for guilt to endless pains. Justice now revokes the sentence. Are you getting the theology in here? God remains just. He doesn't wink at sin and say, oh, it's no big deal. He's not a senile grandpa. Oh, it's all right. You wrecked the car. Who cares? That's not him. Justice was paid by this baby. Justice now, the death of Christ, revokes the sentence. Mercy calls you, break your chains. Is that awesome? Break your chains. You know, we're all sinners, right? But this reference is to those who have not become saved sinners. <laughs> it's the only advantage any of us have in the room is that we have been rescued. If I'm still outside of Jesus, if I don't know that I've settled that, let me encourage you today. Isn't it worth the trade? Wouldn't you rather let go of the bondage to drugs or your sexual addiction or your thieving or your lying, which is common today? Boy, I get lied to by Christians. Isn't it better to trade those bondages in and break your chains and walk in freedom and have a clear conscience and peace with God and peace with your brothers and sisters and walk in joy? Wouldn't that be better? Or you can keep enjoying what you think is soothing your soul all the way to hell because that is a real place and Jesus came to rescue us from it now we're all warm and fuzzy about the baby Jesus right we're always warm and fuzzy about that nativity scenes and Christmas music and all of that we're happy peace on earth goodwill toward men when he grows up, not so much, right? When he grows up, not so much. He gets a little bit bossy. Have you ever noticed that? He gets kind of bossy, like he thinks he's something. Yeah, let me read verse 6. Verse 6 of uh, this great hymn. Though an infant now we view him, he shall fill his father's throne. Gather all the nations to him. Every knee shall then bow down. Our knees too. Wherever we're not bowing it now, we'll have it figured out then. I'm just going to tell you, I keep, I keep saying this all the time. We, we've had several exits of our brothers and sisters into glory. And every time we talk about the fact there'll be no more tears and no more this. and no, There'll be no more tears because he's going to wipe away tears. That's the language in Revelation. And I think my tears are going to be because what a jerk I've been. How did I miss that? Not just all the hardships of this. That'll all evaporate compared to what we've been living here. There, we're going to see it all as it really is. But what I could have done, don't you remember Scrooge? My favorite Christmas movie. Remember Scrooge? The George C. Scott one is the inspired one, by the way. And it's... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, we don't say that, do we? My wife loves the Muppet version, so I have to tell you, you just won her heart, but I don't. Anyway, 
I mean, a frog? Come on. Anyhow. Here's my favorite line in that movie, and every time I see it, I weep. Oh, Uncle Scrooge, you've made us so happy because he shows up and he's a new man. Remember that? And he goes, oh, have I? Puts his arm around him and he says, God, forgive me for the time I've wasted. I'd rather get in line with my master, Jesus, who grew up as this bossy adult and bow my knee now so that my regrets are fewer. He's Savior, thank God, but he's also Lord. And if you've really accepted him in your life, you've accepted him as Savior and Lord. So, all knees shall bow. So here comes this person. Bowing down is not just genuflecting, you know. I did my duty on Sunday. I went to church, knelt down, genuflected. I bowed down, that's it. No. Let's see some of the things he has the nerve to say. Ready for this? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, and even his own life for crying out loud. Let me add that in case anybody's not getting the point. He cannot be my disciple. Whoever doesn't carry his own cross. Do you catch that? I don't have to carry Dr. Ashley's cross. I hear that chuckling out there. You might have to carry a little of mine for a while. But anyway, you get what I'm saying? God calls you to carry your cross. Not mine or somebody else's. But let, hey, wait, there's one more. Let me just add the final The final verse. He's got one more here. Luke 14, 33. So therefore, no one of you who can be my my disciple who doesn't give up all his own possessions. Think of everything you have right now. Well, you can't. You won't listen to the rest of my sermon. You'll be thinking about that. (laughs) Who owns it? Oh, oh, don't, don't, not too quick. Who really owns it? So he can put his hand on it anytime and say, sell that. Give that away. Do this, do that. That's, that's what it, it's not. Let's be realistic. Let's not have little quibbles. About, how can I? I'm supposed to hate my mother and father. Don't be an idiot. Of course that's not what it's saying. He's saying by comparison. Like God says, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. That doesn't mean he hates Esau. What it's saying is, like, I've got a meal in front of me. I've got refried beans and I've got a delicious taco. I, I hate the beans. I want the taco. No, I like beans. You get it? doesn't mean he hates it. It's, it's a compare. I'm making a choice. That's what it means. I'm making a choice. It's my human kingdom. It's my mommy's kingdom. It's my father or my brother's kingdom against his kingdom. Which are you going to choose? Oh, I've come under it for that on occasion. Well, who are you going to follow? Never mind. Who does this guy think he is? Right? Pastor Tim's message. Who is this guy that even the weather changes? He's the son of God. He's the God man. He's the Lord of the universe. He's the one we should bow down to. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. 
These are the serious, this is for serious people. That's why I've got sinners and then the serious. So I've got a picture of a guy that's serious. Here he is, handsome devil that he is. Let's put his picture up there and we can go to the next one. That's James Montgomery. Poet, hymn writer, James Montgomery, Scottish-born, poet, editor, hymn writer, raised in the Moravian Church, theologically trained there. His parents went off to the West Indies to preach the gospel, and both died within a year of each other. They were radical. The, the Moravians were front-line missions. They worked against slavery. One of the things he pushed against was slavery, the exploitation of child chimney sweeps. And, you know, they'd send little kids because they could fit up. So let them get cancer and dirty and that, whatever. That's their problem. He would fight against it. Anybody seen Newsies? Remember Newsies? Got to get out more, folks. Christian Bale, Newsies. It was the newspaper kids that would deliver newspapers on the street. And they were being abused and used by the powers that be. By the, by the papers. Same idea. He went to bat for them. He would speak his mind. He'd push back on injustice. When uh, the French Revolution happened, he spoke something that ended up putting him in jail by the locals. When, uh, when a public figure misbehaved in his opinion, as far as his values went, which were godly, he wrote about it. He went to jail for that too. That'd be like picking on Trump or Biden. How dare you? They need to be picked on. So that's the kind of person he was. He was a loyal follower of Jesus Christ. And he was on the front line for those particular issues like the anti-slavery movement. On the game, if you will. So one of the things he did, and I don't know if you know this, do you know that what... Let me reset my mouth here. Do you know... The, the origin of the Sunday school. Thanks for being honest. Because we think of Sunday school, you know, church has Sunday school. That's not what it was originally. And this man founded a Sunday school union in Sheffield, England, where they honored his work with a statue. I don't know if you lose your reward if they put up a... Don't anybody here put up a statue for me, okay? Don't do that. Because I don't want to lose my reward. I don't know if he got to heaven and went, oh, see, I missed out because of those... Well, anyway, you get what I'm saying. But the reason that they did this, they honored him because he started the Sunday School Union, helped found it. The Sunday School originally was designed to educate all the waifs that were living on the streets. They didn't have public education that we take for granted. So their lives were kind of dead-ended. And so they started Sunday schools. They were free from work that day, and so they started Sunday schools and trained them, taught them English and how to read and write. And by the way, it didn't hurt that they threw the gospel in there. Huh? Is that cool or what? So he was in the front. So when they did that little statue that you saw there a minute ago, here's what's inscribed on it. Here lies interred, beloved by all who knew him, the Christian poet, patriot, and philanthropist, wherever poetry is read or Christian hymns sung. He wrote over 400, by the way. In the English language, quote, he being dead yet speaketh, close quote, 
by the genius, piety, and taste embodied in his writings. All I'm trying to say is he took this thing seriously. He was a true, when he says come and worship, he was already doing that. So that gets me to my little point. The whole sermon is wrapped up in what I'm about to say. I've only got about 45 more minutes. The sacrificial servants. And I made one mistake. I made a mistake. Can you believe it? I meant to, I know you can't, but I did. I meant to put sacrificial in quotes because it's really not a sacrifice. If you know what I'm saying. There are things that were, oh, it was just too hard. By the way, I, I got to tell you, the, the, the saints that have rallied uh, here to serve one another in our funeral times and all of that, these meals, some of you are sitting in the room. God bless you. My wife and I jumped on the team yesterday. We went home zoned out. So you people that are carrying that stuff, God bless you. And can I just say they could use some more. So if you can put your hand to something, rise up and do it. Sacrificial. Jesus' disciples, he said at one point, would say to him, What? What? what, Lord? what? We, we only did what you told us to do. It's no big deal. Here's what the scripture says. I'm going to park on this subject that is in this song. And we, and we sang the last verse. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen again. I'm just going to read it to you. All creation join in praising God, the Father, Spirit, Son, evermore your voices raising to the eternal three in one. Worshiping. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king, who will also become Lord of everything and has a right to command his servants. Come and worship him. Well, let's just talk about the sacrifice of just worship. I've had this thing brooding in my spirit. I've been reading, uh, when, I, when I get to, from Genesis to Revelation and my uh, put-back-together-all-new King James Version that was given to me in the 70s by my mom that the McGrails helped rebind for me. So it's kind of like a kid with a new toy, you know what I mean? I read my way through. When I get to Revelation, I usually go back to Genesis, start all over, something like that. But I decided, because the year's running out and I might want to shift gears, I just went back to Psalms. And as I was going through Psalms, I found these verses. Gather my godly ones to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Now, you know, that's Old Testament. They have sacrifices. That was a picture of the ultimate sacrifice coming. So it still applies to us. Gather my holy one, my saints. That's the other word, saints. Gather my saints to me who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Are you one of them? Well, then gather to me, he says. I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among a mighty throng. The words of David. There's something about the gathering of the saints. So I'm going to opine and admit that I'm preaching to the choir. So choir, you can take this with you and use it as a weapon. Because we recently had this article go around among our, our pastoral staff called They're Not Coming Back. Ever since this whole drama with COVID came, the people aren't, they, they, you know, they would say, and you can, you can read it sometime. Pastor Dennis can send it around to Pastor Tim. I think Tim found it. 
And, and it was like, when, when will they be back? Well, when, when the vaccines are out. Well, when the, when the restrictions are lifted. Oh, oh, when the holiday's over. When this, when that. And finally they realize that they're never coming back. Just wake up and eat it, you know? Well, maybe they were never here in the first place. I don't know. I am not in any way, I want to be very careful to those who may be listening in. If you have a genuine health risk, God bless you, you do what you know is right. So all I can say is if the shoe fits, just put it on. Okay? It gets too easy to sit in your pajamas on the couch forever. Anybody else have that gravitational pull? Thank you for that. Yes, I see that hand. We'll pray for you. You come. Your friends will wait on you. We're going to give you some literature and have a prayer with you. Can tell how I became a Christian. That was the guy. Anyway, I think you're getting my point. So some may never. And the encouragement we got from that article was rise up anyway. And that's some of what I try to encourage Harmony about. Rise up, little flock. Lay hold of God. Keep doing what you think you're supposed to do. Look, God sends you turkeys for crying out loud. And boxes and bags and whatever. I mean, what else you need? He'll provide. But keep leaning on him, showing that dependency. Saints before the altar, bending. Laying hold of God, learning to pray. Lord, we're never great at that. We need to continually learn how to pray. I'm still maybe an adolescent, maybe a young man. I don't know. Still learning. Everybody with me? You follow my exhortation here? Um, I have pondered about what I've been seeing in the American church in general. And I think, I think we're in real trouble. And uh, when I say sacrificial servants, I think about the actual process of worship. Yes, you have to serve too, and it's great. You know, it's one thing for people to come and maybe put some money in the plate and all that. But when God owns it all and I'm loyal to his kingdom rather than my own, there's a whole lot to that. But part of it is just showing up to worship, right? There's something that happens in the dynamic of the spirit in the gathered church when it gathers that, that radio waves and TV things can't do for you. Now, he, God can do whatever. He can show up and surprise people. He has. I know. I, I know. I got all the stories. But generally, when the Spirit is going to move, it was a gathering of people in the upper room. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit came. And that's what we need. I, I, I received that witness, sister. <laughs> Gather my holy ones to me. I will give thanks in the great congregation. I will give thanks. Well, we're not so great, but it's great enough. I'll give thanks in this great congregation. Thanks be to God. Right? We need to hear each other. We need to be with each other. We need to be speaking life to each other. I think about the Amish, and we think they're so quaint, you know. But on the, on the Sabbath, they gather. And they, they don't care whether you think they're funny because the women all wear hats and they ride a buggy and they won't use a lot. They don't care what you think. Because they are obligated to what they think God has told them to do. And that's the last word. Don't we wonder, do our neighbors... You remember the old line they used to use? This has got to be 40 years old. If uh, you were ever on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? 
Well, at least if they know I go out every Sunday, that loony tune with a Bible under his arm, every Sunday. That's why they stay away from me. My neighbors. You get what I'm saying. My wife's shaking my head, shaking her head. Thank you, dear. Thanks for that witness. I, I accept that. Because when I'm wrong, I hear, oh boy. Anyway. So I've thought about it. And, and here's my, my final. Do you remember the story of Daniel? Everybody knows. Daniel and the lions, Dan. We all know that story. You know how it happened? The sneaky guys, you know, the cabinet, the White House cabinet. <laughs> hey, listen, you really need to make a rule here that no one is allowed to pray to anybody except you, oh, king who think you're God. Sign it in the law of the Medes and the Persians so it cannot be revoked. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> So anybody that prays to anybody but him for 30 days was, I think, they get, that's it for them. Here's the verse. I love this. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he got so scared, he went in his closet and cried. And Oh, wait a minute, didn't say that. He entered his house. Now his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem, where the temple was, where the gathering of the saints happens. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Holy mackerel. Sometimes I just want to say, I already said, if you have reasons, I'm not sitting in judgment. But I could not shake this thing for weeks. The Old Testament prophets would say, Consider, remember Malachi? Consider your ways. You're building your house, what about my house? You're taking care of your business, what about my business? Consider your ways. I'm going to just say, brothers and sisters, and whoever it applies to, consider your ways. Consider. If everyone modeled Christianity the way you're modeling Christianity, would we be shuttering this building and closing it down? And I'm saying we would. So consider your ways and come and worship. I believe what is needed these days, and I'm too old to bring it to pass, is a reformation of true worship. A reformation of true worship. Not about music, it's not about smoke machines, not about lighting games or any of that stuff. It's about worshiping him, whether it's exciting or it's not exciting. What am I getting out of this service? The question is, what is he getting out of it? Come and worship. Anybody want to say amen to that? Oh, thank you. Let's stand together and we'll close in prayer. Come and worship. Time, effort, money, serving, everything. He's such a nag. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. I want to thank you for these saints, God. I thank you for where the Spirit has been stirring and speaking to us. And Lord, I admit, I'm partly preaching to the choir here. But thank you, Lord, if, if any of this has given ammunition to our little flock, let them use it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not as self-righteous or nagging. And for those who may be half-heartedly listening in, Holy Spirit, 
I think ultimately they want to hear from you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Help them. Help them and help us. We rely on you. We bless your name today. and We say thank you, Jesus, for coming into the world 2,000 years ago and the fact that you're coming back to straighten what's still messed up here. We praise you for this. We thank you in the great name, which is above every name, the name at which every knee shall bow. Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, amen and amen.